Hi, thank you for listening to Trinity San Diego Podcast. If this is your first time tuning in with us, we want you to know that you are loved. Wherever you're joining us from, we hope that this message will encourage you. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, you can partner with us to reach others by investing at trinitysandiego.org. Thanks once again. Now here's Pastor Todd. But we've been in this collection of talks called Made for Mondays. And this whole premise and, and the idea is that wherever you are, if you're at school, if you're at home, if you're retired, uh, if you are a stay-at-home mom, if you are an accountant, if you're a salesman or saleswoman, if you're a janitor, whatever you do, you're made for that. You're made for that, that God has called you to live that out every day. He didn't call you to live, uh, to, to, to go and, and only live in church on Sunday and call it good the rest of the week. He asked you to be made for Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday. And so we want you to find meaning in the mundane. So we want to talk about things and talk to things where you can practically live out your faith. Amen? Amen. So number one, or I'm sorry, so week one, you thought I was already getting to my points already. Uh, week one, um, I talked about living it out, living it out. Katie uh, in week two talked about making Mondays meaningful, um, which last week was a powerful word in making Mondays meaningful. How many had a meaningful week this week? Amen. Raise your hands. Come on. Uh, but today the title of my message uh, is um, Balancing Act balancing act. We're going to kind of talk about work-life balance. And is that a good thing to talk about? Because, uh, and I, and one thing I want to get clear, I'm not just talking about work-life balance. I'm just talking about life balance because we might be talking specifically about work. However, there are things that we insert that become idols above our God, right? Uh, I think marriages, sometimes we can put on a pedestal and we can put it over God. I think video games, we're in the 21st century. Honestly, video games can be put on a pedestal where we spend more time, where people, and I'm just, you know, some of you are like, video games? What? That's a real issue in the millennial generation that people are playing video games so much that they're missing out on life. They're creating friendships online that they don't even have a real face-to-face encounter with. And so I believe that God wants us to talk about and address some of these things of it, this being a balancing act. And so I believe um, that you need to have a great work ethic, but I think you need to have work-life balance as well. So don't get me wrong. When I get up here and I talk about having work-life balance, I think it's important that you understand the significance of having work-life balance. It's good to have a work ethic. I'm not saying don't work hard. Work as hard as you can, but also play as hard as you can too. Amen? So let's pray. It's going to be a long prayer. Jesus, be with us. Amen. Um, One thing I want to ask you, and I really want want you to uh, self-reflect, because it'd be really easy to sit in this circumstance and sit in this time and space, and to sit here and you could listen to a message, and you could think it's for everybody else, because don't we oftentimes do that? We sit in a church service and we go, oh, well, I wish so-and-so was here to hear that. You know, I mean, we're nudging maybe our spouse, you know? I mean, like, but I really want you, yeah, everyone got a little quiet there because they're scared of nudging their spouse in this moment. But one thing I want you to do is I want you to take the mask off and I want you to really self-examine. We always say in connect groups, it's important to take the mask off so that you can be authentic and real. Um, This week, I was actually in Denver, Colorado uh, for the last week at a pastor's retreat um, in Breckenridge. I don't ski. Um, I tried though, just so I could say I could do it. You know, you got to try new things. I did go snowmobiling, which was 
epic and amazing. But one thing we did, uh, a bunch of our pastor friends from around the country sat around in a circle. And what we did was we took off the mask. And we said what was struggling with us. We said what was going good in our life. And in moments, there was transparency and vulnerability where people were honest about their life. Pastors, pastors, you know, like pastors, they're real people too. We don't just work on Sunday, um, but we also are affected by things when, when things hurt us, right? We're not superhuman. And so I had the privilege, I mean, right, Pastor Bob? We're not superhuman, we're human. And so we went and sat around and I got to sit around with a bunch of pastors that decided to just take the mask off. And they said what was struggling, they said what was good in their life, they said what was challenging. Uh, And then we got to laugh and celebrate and have a good time doing something. And so what I wanna encourage you today, in these moments, in these brief moments that we have, take off the mask and self-examine to see how your work-life balance is good. You gotta toe the line in this. But uh, I have some statistics, and if you're taking notes, I encourage you to write them down. Note takers are history makers, so I encourage you to write these down. But in the U.S., 55% of Americans do not use up their vacation. Can you believe that? 55% do not use up their vacation. And you know what I find fascinating is uh, we ask questions like this. How are you doing? And this is the token answer, and this is what people expect. Busy? How are you doing? Busy. How are you doing? Oh, I'm busy. You know, even people that, that aren't working full-time, or maybe you're, you're you, you know, whatever you're doing, you're like, well, what are you doing? I'm busy. I'm just, isn't that something we always say? Well, how, how's life going? Busy. Honestly, like we look at busyness as like a reward. And I, I'm, I'm so fascinated by this idea of being busy all the time, that we are constantly busy. We're constantly doing this, doing that, doing this, doing that. We have, I think that in our culture, in our society, we have a work-life balance issue. I think that we're so out of balance in so many different ways, and we wonder why we're tired and we're stressed out every day. We wonder why what's going on in our life because we don't have this sense of balance and um, we have this idea of 24-7 availability. Those little cell phones, they're amazing tools, but I mean, there are times where those things need to be set down and you need to have a conversation with your kids. Let's just be honest. Let's be real. Like there's times where your spouse and you need to put down that cell phone or maybe um, work. Uh, work is constantly calling you, texting you, email you. You know, the thing is about our culture and our society is we have 24-7 availability. Email, those of you that worked years ago, you didn't have to worry about this because there wasn't such thing as email. There was snail mail, right? And you had to get a letter or it was a memo that you put in a little manila envelope and it was inner office mail that you, oh, I got to address this. But like we in our life right now, we have 24-7 availability. I was on an airplane and people are working feverishly like they got stuff to do all the time. Like I, I literally was like, I'm going to take this moment and I'm, I don't, I'm going to do something that I don't normally do in the two hours that I'm on this airplane. I'm going to watch some golf. So literally I sat there and I watched golf for two hours. Why? Because I could sit there and work because that's what I think I should do when, when in reality there are times where we need to just take a break. Take a break and relax. Look at your neighbor and say, relax. relax. I heard a story this week about a man that was uh, one employee of the year. <laughs> he won the employee of the year and he's like so happy. And everyone knew him as the hard worker. Just working, 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 working. Always there, always available. He's always saying all these different things. Always like in this moment. And so he, he was at a party for this uh, you know, worker of the year, employee of the year party. And he's standing there in front of his coworkers and he's like, 
pretty, he's just sitting there and everyone's going around the circle. You're just amazing. I'm so proud of you. You work so hard. And the guy gets up there and he, he says, well, thank you for this award. It means, a, this, it really means a lot. This has been a hard year. I've lost my family due to work and I've lost my kids due to work. Spent so much time working that I forgot about what was important. And isn't that sad and kind of the picture of how life is? We oftentimes spend so much time, we, we spend all of our time working and we forget about the importance of who God has called us to. We're thinking about this idea of legacy and we're so worried about our legacy for the next generation. Friends, your kids won't care how successful you were if you did not love them. Love is more important than your success in the workplace. So I would ask you this, whose approval are you seeking? Are you seeking God's approval? Or are you seeking man's approval? And one of these little funny things that I want to show you is just kind of the difference between men and women in the workplace. But also I want to kind of show you uh, just some work-life balance and how it's important. So if we would, uh, let's show that first video. Yeah. Uh, and what would it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift, shifting, shifting sounds in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. So talk about some work-life balance, right? We want to we want to have a little humor in the, in here. I got I got another video. So that's a male perspective. Now let's show a female perspective on on uh, this whole idea and concept of work. Question now. The question now is how do people respond to their scandals? To so the wider region, I think one of your children's just walked in. But I mean, shifting shifting sands in the region. Do you think relations with the north may change? Um, it's um, Hey, so that's kind of some difference between men and women when it comes to working and efficiency. Guys, let's just take the mask off for a moment and say, yeah, that's true, right? I mean, I look at my wife here. She's listening to me. She's holding a baby. Um, you know, she's multitasking. Uh, that's just kind of the way. But, but one thing we have to be really mindful is this idea of work and worship and what's sacred and what's secular. We have to bring those two together. And here we see a picture of a guy. That, that literally is video from the BBC. That is not a joke. That is legitimate video of a guy that's working. And so we have home offices. We have airport offices. We have offices everywhere. But if you have your Bibles, uh, we want to relay some scripture in Involved in this, and it's found in Psalm 127, verses 1 and 2. It will also be on your screen. It says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the Lord builds the house. 
the builder's labor is in vain. So you can do whatever you can do, but if, it, if it's not God-ordained, it's going to be a challenge. It says, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you will rise early and stay late. How, how, does that hit you a little bit? In vain you will rise early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. He grants sleep to those he loves. And if you're struggling just with your mentality right now, what I would encourage you is let that verse get inside of you. Because it's no good just to have this Bible and to read it if you don't ever let it get inside of you so that you can live it out. Because oftentimes we're toiling. We're working so hard. How are you doing? Busy? You know, I'm so busy. I'm working hard the whole time. That For the moments that you have, you need to understand that God's got to be in it too. That God's got to be in your worship. That God's got to be in your life. That God's got to be in your work. And it takes time, effort, and energy to do so. So you need to allow that scripture to get inside of you and say you're not toiling in vain. That you're doing the work that God has called you to do specifically in this moment. And it's so funny that we put so much emphasis on work. Rihanna has a song, work, 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 work. Right? Am I the only one that knows that? Come on, biblical people. Come on. But what I'm saying is this, is we have an idea of, of, of this concept of work. That even we have people singing about the significance of work. That all they do is work, work, work. And in America, um, originally we had six days. Uh, that was actually our work week was six days. Um, ironically enough, six days was our work week. And then the Jewish people decided... Um, Basically, in 1908, New England, the Jews wanted their Sabbath because Christians had their uh, day on, on Sunday for church. And so the Jews wanted their Sabbath. So in 1908, that's where we went from, um, from a six-day work week to a five-day work week. So let me tell you, we don't, in our day and age, have an issue with a work ethic problem, honestly. We don't have a work ethic problem. What we have is we have a, a, an out of balance problem because we work so much because, in the, I mean, look at there. And then in 1940, it established uh, that a 40-hour work week was full time. Prior to that, there was no established time for work. So from the very beginning, we've had this desire to work and approve. That's what, you know, like I talked about week one, how we have to live it out. That that's what, I'm not saying that work is bad, but I'm saying when it's out of balance, it's not good. It's real quiet in here. It's real quiet. When it's out of balance, and, and, and I would like to say, um, I'm a driven person. I like to succeed m as much as the next person. But you know what? If my little kids don't succeed, I fail. Because if, if, the, if, if I have a thriving church, and we're making a difference in this community, and God is moving, and all these things are great, and, but my kids are failures, what, what does that say to me about my work-life balance? Because I think there are oftentimes people that are so successful that they allow other people to raise their children and that's why they wonder why their kids aren't making a difference in the world or there aren't, they aren't stand-up citizens because they're so focused on work. Well, I created a great life for them. Fantastic. But if they don't know who you are, they don't see you in a devotional life, how can that be a good thing? I think it's so important that we go and we put our priorities straight. We put God number one, we put family number two, we put work number three. Oftentimes we put work, family, then God. And we wonder why our life is out of balance. We need to be, really evaluate ourselves. And so I would say this, are you taking a day off? Are you taking a day off? Oh, well, you don't know what I do. I do a lot. Well, great. But you know what? When you have work-life balance, you take a day off. You know, Mondays is a day that we take off. Um, we desire to take Mondays off. So I don't check my email. Um, if you 
call me on a Monday, I'll typically respond to you um, because I believe just in, um, in being respectful that if someone calls you, you're respectful back and you give them a call. Um, I think that that's just a simple practice. Uh, if you shoot me a text, I'll do it. But we go and we go to eat and we go on a hike and we have a good family time, Katie and I. We go on a date. That's a good thing because I believe that in work, we can be so overwhelmed with work that we forget to even love our spouse. And we have to be intentional about that. So Katie and I go and we take a day off. Are you taking your vacation? Your employer, okay, your employer pays you to take time off. Like legit, so you're doing them a disservice by working because you're burned out even before you get to the office. Your employer says, maybe they say you can have two weeks and we have 55% of Americans don't even take that full time. Maybe there's times, and I'm not saying be lazy. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying be refreshed. Go to work, enjoy work, be the best employee, employee you can be, but then when you're at home, set work down. And then when you're on vacation, that's why I love when we went on vacation. I didn't check my email one time. I trusted that people had it under control so I could lounge back on a chair and put my feet up and say, I work real hard, but I'm going to relax real hard too. Because some of you need to do that because you have this like work face that you're, you know, and like when you're relaxed, you're always working. You got this, you know, like your face is just so tired and exhausted all the time. Even when you're trying to relax, you don't look relaxed because you're so tired. You wonder why you aren't getting sleep. Maybe you need to put the phone down at 9 p.m. and you need to just go to sleep. You don't need to get on Facebook. You just need to go to sleep. Forget Instagram. Forget your email. Just go to sleep. You wonder why you're not recouped. We wonder why we're exhausted is because we're out of balance. Completely. We're completely out of balance. And we need to make sure that our priorities are right. And you know what? When, you look, when God looks down, he notices if you're out of balance. He's the one that created you. Even he rested on the seventh day. He wasn't such a workaholic that all of a sudden he didn't even rest himself. And if it's good enough for the creator of the universe that we're supposed to pattern our life after, isn't it good enough for us to sit down and take a rest? And I know that there are seasons, there are sprint seasons and there are, you know, calm seasons. I understand that. I get it. But we have to understand that there's work-life balance. And as followers of Jesus, I think that we need to be the example. We need to set the example for what health looks like. Because I think so many times we as followers of Jesus and as Christians, we <laughs> have a tendency to... Uh, have this idea of sickness. We just have a sickness that, or, that surrounds us. And I think that we need to be in balance and we need to be understanding. You know, like I, I think a lot of followers of Jesus that they, they come to church and everything's going wrong all the time. And I think that that's the reason everything's going wrong all the time is I think at times we're out of balance. They, I know that when my life, when things are going wrong, and I'll take the mask off. Can I be vulnerable for a second? When things aren't going good for me, I don't complain. What I do is I get on my knees because I know that when my life is out of balance, typically the rhythm of my life when it's out of balance is because I am out of balance with my king. And I recognize that when I'm out of balance and I spend less time in my Bible 
and I spend more time in my cell phone, less time in my Bible, more time on my computer, less time in my Bible, and more time worrying about work, what happens is I get completely out of balance, and then thus, my friendships suffer, my family suffers, my wife suffers, uh, you suffer, everyone suffers when I'm out of balance. Don't you see how that works? It's like a domino effect. The moment my faith gets out of balance, everything else rolls aside. And all of a sudden, we're in trouble. And we're, so I always go back to the, to, to the focal point. And the focal point is Jesus. And so when, even when things are going awry that I might have control of or I might not, I still need to go back to my first love, and that's Jesus that can make everything better. Amen. Needs to go everything better. But I, I believe that, that as followers of Jesus, we need to have this work-life balance done right. And um, a workaholic, this is a little definition, is someone that compulsively works hard and long hours. The key of this whole, wor- of this whole thing is compulsively. Compulsively. And I believe that, that, that there's, there's uh, th- this whole idea of compulsity, compulsively you can work hard, but I think that, that sometimes we do it against our own will. We, that's just kind of our, our mentality that we have worked, so that's we got to get it done. And I believe that you have deadlines, you have things. I get it. I don't want to sound insensitive and say you, you need to relax more. But what I am saying is that there are sprint seasons and regular seasons that you need to understand that there's a timing for everything. Even Ecclesiastes says that there's a season for everything. We have different seasons, and we have different toils, and we have different time. I know that when you have a newborn baby, that season's a little bit more busy than when you have no babies. Honestly, we all, those of you that have been parents, give me an amen. amen. You, you get it. But I believe that, that, a hard, that, that there's a difference between a hard worker and a workaholic. A hard worker, um, working long hours is not wrong, but it's wrong when you're sacrificing your own family to work those long hours. And I, I, and I believe that it's okay to love what you do. I love what I do. I really love what I do, but not to the point where I'm sacrificing the things that God has given me in my life to begin with. And, and, and we do have these different seasons. You know, if you're an accountant, this season right now is pretty busy. You know, uh, if you're a school teacher, the beginning of the year is pretty busy. I did that for seven years of my life. I get it. If you are a mom, there are different seasons that are very, very busy. If you're in sales, you have different seasons that are very busy. I get, we're, we as a church, we have seasons that are very busy. Easter is a pretty busy season. Night to shine, I literally felt walking, I was like walking exhausted the whole time. You know, I mean, like that's a busy season. But you know what? I understood that there's going to be moments where I'm going to have times where I'm going to relax for a little bit. So I know that I'm going to have sprint seasons and I know that I'm going to have other seasons that are going to be more relaxed. And so I'm not saying that, that in sprint seasons you need to relax completely. But what I'm saying is you have to understand the work-life balance. So I knew that at night to shine, when there was a sprint season in that moment, I knew that there was a time where I needed to sacrifice some, some moments to be with my children so that they knew who was their dad. And I think that we, that we take our sprint seasons and we think that that's just the norm for our whole life. And we got to make sure that we are in balance, in balance. And sometimes those sprint seasons, we allow to overwhelm our life. And let me say this, in Exodus chapter 20, verse 3, it says, you shall have what? No other gods before me. And I think that what what we do in the modern day world and in our society is we take our work and we make it an idol. And this is, and I'm going to talk to you about the guy that wrote this 
how he was the first workaholic of the Bible in the coming moments. So this idea that we put, uh, we, we put an emphasis on work, and, and, and I think that we put, and, and really, can I be candid? In Poway, San Diego, we do this a lot. We do this a lot. We focus so much on our work and our success because what we're doing is we're getting in a comparison game, you know, like trying to keep up with the Joneses. Do you remember that statement? Yeah. Everyone's trying to keep up with one another. I mean, look, at we had a scandal go out this last year, not from Poway, but uh, over, you know, people paying, their, paying for their kids to go to a university that they didn't get into. Yeah. That's a scandal. Why would they do that? Because they're trying to keep up with the people next to them. So my kid goes to USC. My kid goes to UCLA. We're trying to keep up and we're trying to elevate our life. When God says, love your life. I've given it to you for a reason. But don't be out of balance. We're so focused on success that we forget that success should be defined as, as being a great parent. Being a great husband or a wife. Being a great employee. Meaning you take time off when you're supposed to. If you're retired in here, hey, I've heard more retired people since I took over this church saying that they are more busy now than they ever have been. <laughs> Honestly. Well, there are times even being retired you need to take a break. You can't be out of balance. We've got to make sure our priorities are in line. And so you need to ask yourself, is the good thing in your life becoming an idol? Because when we're out of balance, we make those good things become idols. You need to ask yourself, is, that, is your good thing becoming your idol? And I'm not just talking about work. I'm talking about your children. I'm talking about your marriage. I'm talking about work. I, I think that even being healthy can be a sickness. It can go out of balance. Because you focus so much on your health that you forget about enjoyment too. God created us to enjoy life, right? Not endure it, but to enjoy it. And so we put so much emphasis on, on being out of balance that, that we have these diets that people go on really fast and then they get off because they're out of balance. You know, like people go to the gym, the new year. Isn't it funny? People join the gym. I'm going to join the gym and they go every day and then they get out of the they, they go there for a month and then all of a sudden, I mean, I worked in a, the YMCA and when I worked at the YMCA, that was our, Big deal was, it was a major push was to get people in. But what happens is people get out of balance in those moments. It's not about making sure that you, you do something and you emphasize that. What it actually is, is about consistency. When you're consistent, that is where great things can take place. When you are consistent over the course of time. It's not about being, doing something and making that your idol. We, we, we so much in our society make things about everything else but God. And God is an add-on to our life. Honestly. Oh, if I have time. Oh, can I come to church? Oh, if I have time. I'm so busy, I can't come to church. Oh, that connect group. Oh, I would love to be in that connect group every Sunday or every, every week. But I just am so busy. But I've never heard someone leave a connect group and go, oh, man, that was really terrible. I've never heard someone come to church and go, oh, man, I just really, that was not good. Honestly, I've been in church my whole life. And I've gone to churches that might not necessarily been vibed with me, but yet I still felt the presence of God. Yeah. And all of a sudden, I, I, I was like, well, I've never sacrificed a Sunday to come to church and been let down. Because church is what you make it. And if you lean into God, 
and you have balance. I know the rest of my week is set up a whole lot different when I'm in here on Sunday. And I think that there's power in that, that we need to be in balance. And so you need to have this perspective. My job serves my God. Not my God serves my job. My God, I'm sorry, my, my job serves my God, that God has appointed you to be in that position for a reason. That my job serves my family. And so our priorities need to matter. We need to have God at the top. Right? Pastor Bob agrees with me. So happy he does. Let's see if the rest of you do. God is at the top. I mean, that should have got like, you should have been throwing things at me. You're so excited. God is at the top. Then family. Because we get that out of whack. Oh, I got to provide for my family. Yeah. Well, when your kid's sick in the hospital, you're not at your job anymore. You're with your family. So you need to prioritize that. You need, I, I literally came home from Denver yesterday and I went into the bedroom. I could not wait to get home. I went into my kid's room and I laid on the floor and I just did whatever they wanted to do. Because I had five days of hanging out with a bunch of pastors that was great, but it wasn't like being with my kids. We need to have priorities, work, life, balance. And um, one thing I'm fascinated with is how we introduce people. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're guilty of this. I'm guilty of it too. So I'm preaching to me. Oftentimes when I'm up here preaching, I'm preaching to myself too. And we oftentimes inter introduce people like, oh, here, here's Frank. He's the VP of marketing at Google. You know, I mean, we introduce them by their title. Yeah. Isn't that funny how we introduce people by their title yeah. and we don't introduce people by who they are? Yeah. Oh, this is Frank. He's a kind person. He's loyal. He loves Jesus. Yeah. I would encourage you, maybe you try to introduce people this week and rather than by their title, rather than characteristics that they embody. You have no idea. You might have revival in your workplace because you're willing to step out and you're willing to talk about how great somebody is for a moment rather than what they do but who they serve. We need to have that perspective. We want to start a revival in our workplace. We got to do it and be willing to step out and say, hey, this is Frank. He's a great guy. I'm proud of him. He's been through a lot. He's been through a lot. And when we introduce people like that, all of a sudden perspective begins to shift. I love when people are actively living out their faith rather than passively waiting for God to just all of a sudden move on their behalf and then show up. I've recognized that when I'm willing to move in faith, that God's willing to respond in faith back to me. Amen. And so, so when we are willing to step out, maybe that guy that you're gonna introduce this week, Frank, fill in the blank, Jane, whatever, fill in who, who you want to introduce this week, you have no idea that simple encouragement might be the thing that drives them over the edge for, 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 for just God to move in their life. Amen. Because when we introduce people, that we live in a society where we're trying to serve so many things and we're so depleted that no one's getting encouragement. And if we all of a sudden decide as the church to rise up and to be encouragers and say, hey, Frank's a great guy, I believe in him, I'm proud of him. All of a sudden, he might have enough courage to say, where did that come from? Oh, it came from uh, just my church this week. They just said, let's not introduce people by their titles, but introduce people by their characteristics. And all of a sudden, things could change. My dad was a great work, worker, hardest working man I know. But one thing about my father is he never, when the guys would go, my dad coached football, and football, there's long hours there, long hours. When I'm talking long hours, uh, the month of May, I didn't see him at all because he, he was on the road recruiting. 
Didn't see him. That was before FaceTime, Skype, all those things. We actually had to pick up the phone and call him. And he oftentimes stayed at the Newport Beach Marriott. That was just where he stayed. That was his recruiting territory. But after, my dad would always give us this idea of work-life balance. He'd say, son, I know that May is going to be a hard month because I'm going to be gone the whole month. Like literally all 31 days, my dad would be gone. But then what he would do is he'd say, but know this, in July, I'm taking that whole month off. So there's a trade-off. And so as his son, I recognized that there was work-life balance and he embodied the fact that, that he's going to work really hard and he's going to be successful and he's going to do the things that God has called him to do, but yet he's also not going to sacrifice time with his family. He knew the significance of balance. He knew the understanding that there was not out of alignment, that all of a sudden here he is working hard, being successful in what he does as a follower of Jesus. I think that that's the greatest example you can be as successful, hardworking, but all of a sudden over here when all all the guys were going out to dinner because they didn't want to be with their family. He could not wait to be with his family. We need to have that mentality where we can't wait to be at home. I love to work, but I love to be at home. I love to raise my children, and they are not perfect by any stretch. Oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> Carter, this week, has just been a terror, like a little tornado. But you know what? That doesn't make me love him any less. That just means I have to retrain and I have to sacrifice maybe a little bit more to care about him. And so to me, I think that our legacy is embodied not by what we do, but rather who we serve and how we serve them. God has asked us and equipped us to be great workers like he asked uh, Adam to do. He asked him to be a great worker and steward and take care of the garden. But also out of that, he provided a woman too. And so God wants us to have work-life balance. And here, really here in the Bible, I'm going to talk about the first workaholic, Moses in Exodus 18. He was on mission for God. And the Bible gives us a glimpse to Moses, about Moses being a workaholic. Have you ever looked? I think it's so interesting that we take these things and we look at, at like our, uh, we look at Bible stories and we look at them as perfect. Am I, am I the only one that's done this before? Like we look at Samson and Samson's like an amazing guy. We look at Paul. Paul did no wrong. You know what I mean? Like we put these Bible figures on pedestals, right? Do you do that, babe? Okay, I'm just checking to see if anyone else does that because it sounds to me like I was the only one that does that. And so I, I go and I put, I put these Bible, I mean like Moses wrote the first five books of the Old Testament. I mean, he's a pretty great, like he's a, he's a patriarch. He, I mean, like he, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Moses, I mean, they're, they're like up on this level. However, Moses also got it out of balance too. He got it out of alignment. And what it says, it says in Exodus 18, it says, from morning to night every day, he worked, he worked, he worked, he worked. And, and really, um, this glimpse that the Bible gives us, Moses actually shipped his family off so that he could work. And finally, uh, the good old father-in-law, I'm so grateful for my father-in-law. Uh, he spoke so much into my life, but, but father-in-law visits him and he questions him here in Exodus 18, 17 through 20. It says, Moses' father-in-law replied, what you are doing is not good. You and these people who come 
to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them his decrees and instructions and show them the way that they will go and they are to live and how they are to behave. And he's saying right here, delegate things. Stop doing as much as you're doing because you're working yourself to death. And some of you, I'm going to be the father-in-law of this house for a moment. And I'm going to say, some of you are working too hard that you need to say no from time to time. When you can say the power of no and understand that you're not always going to let people down by you saying no, that's called spiritual health. There are times where we just need to say no to our employer. You know what? There are times where you can go home. Those papers are still going to be there tomorrow. Your wife that's sitting there waiting for dinner, you need to go home and be with her. Forget about those papers. If you have a deadline, I get it. Trust me, there are circumstances where I get it. However, there are things in our life that we need to do that we need to say no. Worship team, you can join me up here. And so Moses has small problems here, big problems here, other problems. And, and really, he had to learn the art of saying no. And I believe that this is why servant leadership is our identity, because this church is not built on one person. I mean, it is Jesus. That's the primary. But for God has called us, and I believe that servant leadership is our identity as a church. And I believe that the work is not meant to be done alone. I can't play a a musical instrument or sing. If I did, I mean, I make stained glass crack even more. That's how bad I sing. However, when I lean on them as a worship team, that all of a sudden things change. When I lean on other people, all of a sudden things begin to change in the atmosphere. When we lean on one another, greater things take place. And it's not, church is not built on one person. Church is built on a collective group that says, you know what, I'm gonna push the mission of Jesus ahead in my city. I'm going to take the mantle that God has asked me to take and I'm going to bear it and I'm going to walk with it. It's not about Todd and Katie building this church. It's not about Bob and Claudia who have done this for so many years building this church. It's about the church rising up, learning that we need to lean on one another. Moses wasn't doing that. Moses was doing it on himself. He's doing it all by himself, trying to be the answer for everyone's problems. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to be honest. I can't do that. I'll burn out. You'll be finding a new pastor. Honestly, we can't do it alone. We got to do it collectively as a group. And so that's why going to Next Steps is crit critical. That's why going uh, and getting involved in a, on a dream team, that's why that's so critical. Is because when you're serving those little kids, trust me, I might take a Sunday and just go hang out in the nursery. Why? Because I think that you are making a huge impact when you're serving this community. Oh, I'm too busy. Well, maybe you should say no to some things so you can say yes to some church things so that you can see God move in your life hugging a baby. I mean, there's nothing more innocent than a baby. And there's no, mo there, there's no greater impact that you could have than, you know, I'm so thankful for people like Stephen and Hillary Speaker who are in our, who are in our kids zone nearly every week loving on some kids, making a difference, saying no. And he's an accountant. It's a busy season. But he's here with three kids in tow saying, I'm going to do this because I believe that there's a difference that are going to be made in kids' lives. He's, and you know what? He says, I, I know, Pastor Todd, you can't do it alone, so I'm going to do it. And I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean in a little bit more. We all collectively need to do this. But you know what? Another example of Moses 
In Exodus 4, Exodus 4, Moses is, with, or is, in the, is talking to Jesus in the, in the burning bush and Moses is going to Egypt and the Bible said he was going, God was going to take Moses' life and because he really didn't want to do what he was supposed to do for his family. And Moses is sitting there in those moments and um, this idea that God put to the Israelites as, a, as really a mark upon his people was this idea of circumcision. And God put this mark upon the Israelites of circumcision that every male was to be circumcised for um, basically to set them apart. And Moses, that was the call of God to a man in the house was to do that. That was God's call, was to do that as a man. And what's interesting in Exodus 4, Moses was so consumed with what he had to do that his wife actually did what he was supposed to do. His wife was the one that stepped up and said, I'm going to go and I'm going to do what actually God assigned you to do. But because Moses was so busy, so dad in this house, are you too busy that you're forgetting the most important gifts that you have been given? Honestly. Mom in this house, are you so busy that you are forgetting about the importance of those two little kids, three little kids, seven little kids, however many little kids you have? God has assigned us to do a task and not be out of balance. Not be out of balance. Not be so focused on work that we're missing it at home, but also not to be so focused on home that we're missing it at work too. We have a balance act. And I believe that we have workaholic people, workaholic parents. And I, I encourage you, you need to start delegating some things. You need to start saying, stop, or start saying no when your boss asks you to stay late. And you need to say, I have a priority because I have a dinner date with my family. And that's important to me. And we need to do our job as parents. We need to do our job as followers of Jesus. And you can't delegate what God actually asked you to do. And God asked you to what? Raise children. If you are a parent in this house, if you're not, someday. If you're not, you have other kids that you can help raise. But what we have to understand is there's significance in what God has called each and every single one of you to do. And I am battling with this because as I close, I'm thinking about this idea that which well done are we, please, are, are, are we listening for? Are we sitting here going, I'm really wishing for a well done from my employer. That's all I want. When really we should be sitting here going, I want the well done, good and faithful servant. Because God is looking down upon our lives and he knows if you are out of balance. You know when you are out of balance. And I think our world, in a nutshell, is so trying to get the approval of man that they're forgetting about the approval of God that God already called us he already set us apart he already took care of each and every one of us but what happens is we're so out of balance we're so out of balance that we can't even figure out how to even which ends up God has asked you to be in balance and you need to approve you need to go and look for his approval not man's approval you don't need to get approval on Facebook. You don't need to get approval on Instagram. You don't need to get approval on Twitter. You don't need to get approval from your spouse. You don't need to get approval from your employer. You don't need to get approval from anyone for God always already said that he approves of you. 
He loves you. He loves you so much that he took his son and he sent his son to earth so that he could die on the cross so that we could live for eternity. He did that. And we're so out of balance that we can't even figure out which way to go. And I believe, I truly believe that this is a call to action. You actually have to stop, start saying no to some things. We're sitting here in this room. Maybe you, let's bow our heads and close our eyes for this moment.